Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, my name is Pat Iyer, and I have with me DJ Eshelman. DJ is the author of two books and has got an interesting background straddling several different worlds. DJ, welcome to the show. Yeah, great to be here. Let's start with your first book, The Citrix Hero, and, and give our listener or the person who's watching this podcast on the YouTube channel a little bit of the, your background and what led up to you writing your first book. Well, like most great books out there, it all starts with writing the book that you wish you had at some point in your life, right? So I actually grew up, you mentioned very interesting background. I actually have straddled worlds, a good way to say that. Uh, I was one of the first of a generation of kids that were called the latchkey kids that were very much, you know, uh, going around with their parents both off at work and, and they're riding the bus home from school and they've got a key to the house and they unlock it and, and they're the ones letting themselves in and taking care of themselves. And so there's a self-sufficiency that, that, that came as part of that. Well, growing up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as a latchkey kid, my parents immediately found they didn't like that. Uh, they were very much of that kind of hippie generation of you know, living off the land, that sort of thing. And, and, and so they decided to move us to a unincorporated part of Colorado uh, near Penrose, Colorado. And so there's no running water, no electricity, you know, no, no, the usual things that I was used to. So a completely separate kind of uh, self-sufficiency that I had to learn. Mm. Uh, but in, in, in a strange kind of way, it also took me away from things like technology. And so I always felt I was a little behind as, as far as that goes. But at the same time, I did learn a lot of uh, self-sufficiency and maybe even a little stubbornness, I would say, as far as that goes. But um, after going to college and studying psychology, I found pretty quickly that I didn't really want to be in psychology for a career and was kind of drifting along and over everybody remembers Y2K. And finally over Y2K, I actually worked for a company and uh, started doing some things within technology at that point as a independent contractor after that. Uh, mm -hmm. So that kind of started me off in the IT world. And in 20, ooh, let's go back, uh, 2011, is when I actually read a book by Dan Miller called 48 Days to the Work You Love. And that set me on a path to pursuing the, the work that I was much more called and qualified to do, I thought, uh, as far as how to do it and being an independent consultant and that sort of thing. And so I was now being called upon to use my expertise that I'd built up over the years to service others. And so what I found in doing that as a consultant was that it felt like I was always saying the same things all the time. 
you know, that, that I was, okay, I'm, I'm always making these recommendations uh, or I'll discover things and, you know, okay, great. I've discovered this. Now other people need to know it. So let's do the usual things like put out a blog post or, or whatever. And eventually came to the conclusion that it just wasn't working. You know, that, that, that method of disseminating information was just getting lost in the noise. Yeah. And so I felt a, a weird notion of getting out of consulting work and starting to teach people what I've learned over the, over the course of a good 15 years of, of consulting work. And then other time just being a employee uh, of, of various sorts. And so the first book came from, well, let me back up a second. So basically <laughs> the first book actually was not the first book written. Um, I, I'm sure most of us deal with the, the fears and, concerns of, of our, of our first work. And so the first book I actually wrote a manuscript for was written right after I'd been fired actually. Uh, and so that sat on the shelf for a while and unpublished and just kind of poked at it. You know, I'm sure this is sounding familiar to a lot of people just kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll get that published one of these days, but uh, right now I just need to do what's important for me and do the consulting thing. So, um, this other uh, book called Be a Citrix Hero kind of started formulating in my mind uh, out of some presentations that I'd given and the responses that I was getting from people that um, I thought I was presenting obvious information. I thought I was giving people things they already knew. Come to find out they really didn't, or they had read about it, but hadn't taken action on it. And so the thought came, well, what if I were to put this into a tangible way of teaching this? And so... I actually started doing a uh, online course series, just a subscription membership uh, series where people could learn these kind of leading practices, let's call them, of how to do the technology the right mm -hmm. way. And so having a few subscribers to that, it, 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 it worked well enough. But what I found was like, okay, I can take this information and put it in a different medium and get it out there the same kind of way. And so I quite literally took transcripts from my classes and put them into a written format, edited them down, and then put this in front of those same people with a few other people kind of peppered in to say, okay, is there anything that I should change about this to make it more clear? And kind of did a group editing kind of a thing. Uh, and mm -hmm. then did some touch-ups and published my, my first book, Be a Citrix Hero, in March of 2020 amid the time we're not supposed to be doing anything, right? We're supposed to be, you know, cowering in our homes in fear of what's going to happen. And I said, no, I'm going to go ahead and publish this book. And so, so that was the, the, the first book. It was, it was born out of that notion of, you know, kind of let's do it, see what happens kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the reception was uh, pretty good in that regards of, of, people just, first of all, just being astounded that somebody in the line of work that I did was able to write a book. Um, there's a whole host of perceptions that the people have about what a, what a book means. And so that opened up all sorts of doors I'm sure we can get into, but. Uh, yeah. Let me pull that apart a little bit because yeah. you've shared some things that immediately spark ideas in my mind. You talked about when you were putting the content together, you realized that you knew things that other people didn't know. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know the, the expression, the curse of knowledge. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you, for those people who have not heard that, it, it's an assumption that because I know something, you must know it too. And therefore, I don't have to go into basic explanations because, of course, you understand this piece. When you're assembling material, how do you get around the curse of knowledge to get to the right level for your reader? That as a as a great question, and um, it comes back to something that um, I believe it was a conversation I had with uh, Ryan Halliday, um, talking about his, his book at the time was Perennial Seller, and he talked about having concepts that were timeless, you know, kind of out, outside of like a, a moment in time, and one of the things you have to do with that is take a step back and really kind of look at explaining everything as if nobody knows what you're talking about to begin with. And so that was the approach that I took about this is like, okay, I'm going to take the assumption that yes, there is a baseline knowledge that people need to have to be successful with this book, but I'm just going to make the assumption that these things that seem so obvious and so basic to me are not known to these other people. And I literally had to force myself to, to write in that regards and not take shortcuts because we do that. We, we take shortcuts when we're, it doesn't matter what we're writing. It's a, a blog or a book or even just an email to someone. We assume that we know something about them when that's not always true. And so it takes practice. In fact, email is a great example. That's something where I had to practice writing my emails to someone, whether it's an executive or, or somebody that's on my email newsletter list, doesn't matter. I have to back up and say, how can I explain this in a way that gives them the information they need to know or points them to, you know, the, the gap of knowledge that they need to be successful at it without being condescending or making assumptions about that person. And so it's an acquired kind of skill. It's not something that's just natural. You don't just go out there and do it. You know, what I tell people all the time is it really is raising a level of preparedness. You know, when I, back in my childhood, when we, moved to the middle of nowhere with no electricity and no running water, our preparedness had to be raised quite a bit in different ways, right? So you take that lesson forward to the kind of things like writing, where you say, you know, I have to approach this from a standpoint of this person may know what I'm talking about. They may not. It's faith, really, that that what you're teaching is going to be valuable to at least someone. Mm -hmm. And, And taking ourselves out of our kind of circle of influence a little bit and saying, this message is for someone and it's important to connect with them in the way that, that is significant without, you know, making them feel less. So that, that was the approach I took with that book. Yeah. No, it's something that I ran into for 28 years. I worked with medical malpractice attorneys and had to explain medical concepts to people with no medical background. And somewhere along that line, I heard the expression, you will never offend anyone by being too basic. Ah. And what you did was you you made a a conscious decision in the way that you wrote your material. Even if the people who already knew that wouldn't be offended if you laid it out, but it would be helpful for the other portion of the population who needed that framework in order to be able to go further in your book with you. Yeah. And the highest compliment you can be paid in that sort of thing is when people get it right. 
Mm -hmm. So actually one of the reviews of Via Citrix Hero points out that most books on the topic are very much point in time. They're, they're tied to a specific version of the software, that sort of thing. And, and he noted that, no, DJ nails out these, you know, kind of prerequisites or what, what you need to know about it, not how to do it mm -hmm. first. And so there's that, there was appreciation from that, from people that in my mind were already skilled, but they were able to identify that as well as, as mm -hmm. to say, you know what, this is something that I can not only get something out of myself, but more importantly, this is something that I can give to other people with confidence that they won't be, you know, it won't be over their head. It won't be too much for them to comprehend. So, yeah, I like that, 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 that there, there's no way to be too basic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that a lot. And the other piece I wanted to focus on was you mentioned that you create an online course, then use the mm -hmm. transcripts to create the book, and then got, in essence, a group of beta readers together mm -hmm. to give you feedback. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, and I don't credit myself with this. This is 100% um, something I got from Chandler Bolt uh, mm -hmm. of self-publishing school. Uh, this is absolutely something from that. But the, the strength of this was in a lot of things. We, we talked about, you know, is this over people's head? Is it not? Having a variety of people read through it in advance gave me a lot more confidence, not just feedback, but confidence that this was uh, resonating properly, that it was not just something where, you know, I was already feeling repetitive. A lot of the things that I wrote in this book, I'd been writing out in uh, assessment documents for companies for five years. And so it wasn't just about feeling repetitive. Um, there was a, a some points in time where I felt like I was almost cheating, like this was almost too easy. <laughs> mm -hmm. But getting in front of people and, and getting their responses and how excited they were, and even some of the people that were just brutally honest with me, and saying, you know what, this sentence structure doesn't work. You, you say, what was it? You say the word just a lot, you know, people giving you honest feedback that makes the product that much better. Mm -hmm. And it's something I carried into the, the next book. And I, I will never do another book without a, a beta team, a launch team kind of thing. And that's the second aspect of this that, that, um, I am very thankful for is that I already going into the launch of the book had a group of people that were already excited about it. Mm -hmm. and so not only were they willing to buy it when it came out on a print form, not just on the electronic form they'd gotten before. So they're buying a book they've already read, which is already kind of cool. Yes. But they're sharing it with others. And so that, um, for a lot of things, and actually, um, I'm jumping ahead to the second book, but, what I did in the second book that I wish I would have done in the first is put the names of my entire launch team in the back of the book. Mm -hmm. And there was a, one of the um, most shared and most liked things on LinkedIn uh, that to pertain to my book actually came from somebody on my launch team that got a copy of the book and, you know, took a picture of their name in the book and said, that moment of pride when you see you can, you've helped contribute to something, you know, oh. something like that. And, and uh -huh. that right there was a huge, um, 
kind of boost for me of, of saying, you know, oh, okay, this is something that, that it, it makes it not just about me. And that's, that's the thing about a, a, a launch team or a beta team that, that is actually really important too, is that you're, you're bringing people in, you're, you're, you're building community from a book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're already kind of from a position of strength, but it's always important to get those people that, that are going to give you the opinion and you know, call, call your baby ugly. If your baby is ugly and, and basically make it the best it could possibly be before it goes out to the world. It's a fantastic strategy. I love it. It's vulnerable and it's scary, but I love yes. it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, it's the dilemma that I run into is that people who get overwhelmed by the vulnerable and scary component and they don't want to release their book because it's never good enough. And it sits on their hard drive for decades yep. in some cases or and never sees the light of day because of that risk you can always do a second edition you can always do a reprint you can always fix something especially if you're independently publishing mm -hmm. it is so easy with the click of a button to upload a new file yeah and also realizing there's always going to be something um there are uh i think about 800 copies of my new book sitting in my garage right now I knew there was problems with it when I printed it, but interestingly enough, just before I actually had the book printed in paper or in a hardcover, the, I realized there was a problem with the paperback that nobody had noticed. Nobody in the launch team, not my editor, not me. There was a, a pretty severe problem with the, with the printed book. And that was that a, an entire chapter was in as a heading for another, uh, the chapter before it. And nobody really caught it. It wasn't until I was reading the book for the audiobook version that I actually caught the problem. So there's another thing to, to not make assumptions that everything's going to be fine. But at the same time, like you said, just realize that especially being self-published, it's so easy to change things now. It's so easy. But at some point, there comes a point where you have to say, you know what? I know there's going to be flaws and it's going to be okay. You know, that. If there's a, a better second edition later, so be it. But as long as the information is out there for people, then it's already a win. You know, the perfectionist part of my personality goes, a typo is one thing, a repeated chapter, nah, that would be really hard to release a book knowing that that was in existence. You tend to play mind games like what else am i going to find what else am i going to miss you know and that's again the beauty of the launch team though is that it wasn't a big and, and it wasn't a repeated chapter actually fortunately it was just that the, the when the book was formatted it was done as a header instead of a new chapter okay and so but so fortunately it wasn't like that big of a deal probably would have been noticed um i take that back there was a repeated sentence that i found as well so so those things do happen. And even, even, um, 81 people reading the book ahead of me releasing it didn't catch it. So it does happen. Uh, but there was a lot of things that they did catch a lot of things that they did catch. Mm -hmm. They were very fortunate. So at some point you just have to say, you know what, there's, there's no such thing as perfect. There's only produced. Uh, I hear the words DJ, but boy, my fiber of my body goes, but 
we have to make it perfect. It's got to yeah. be perfect. And it is, it's like pushing the rock up the hill. There's, there are mistakes and errors that creep into any work. Yep. Um, there's an Amish expression. I don't know if you've, you were aware that the Amish would deliberately put a mistake in a quilt because they said only God makes perfect things. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. So I would, sense. I would cling to that at times. Yes. <laughs> oh, and also, I, I will say too, that the other thing that I've noticed just from a mindset standpoint is, and this is partially the way I grew up is, is kind of to, it's a strength and a, and a failing at the same time is that I tend to be very stubbornly self-sufficient, you know, and I, and I don't want to, it's too embarrassing for me to put out something that might be criticized or might be you know, mm -hmm. not perfect, you know, and it's, it's very much a. I'm not even sure if it's pride. It, it, it really is just something where I just am so self-sufficient. I want to just make sure it's done and get it done that sometimes I forget to involve other people in the process. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's that mind stretch and that, that having faith that what you're doing and the reason you're doing it, if it wasn't important enough to get it done, then you probably shouldn't have done it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And connecting with that to me is, is really been important. You know, knowing that, let's be honest, book sales don't tend to be what drive a business forward, you know, especially as a self-published author, you know, you, the, the, the exposure that you tend to get is all self-made for the most part. You know, it's, it's one of those things where the, the book sales are not what's going to drive what you're doing. And so this is just the, the first step in and getting connected with people on a bigger level. So if you're always waiting for it to be perfect, you're never going to be able to take that second step of truly connecting with your audience and getting them to the point of actually digesting what you have. You know, if we just release something and just assume people are going to digest it, then that's never really going to be enough. So you know, practicing that right from the beginning is, is critically important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you mentioned earlier about opportunities that occurred as a result of your publication of your books. What happened to you professionally and personally because you had written those books? There's a, a, a part of me that was, was fed in with this, that, that it may not be the healthiest. Um, I was definitely one of those kids in, in high school and college that always felt like I was on the outside. Um, and so I've kind of realized I've positioned my life kind of, kind of like that. And when you have that mindset, what you tend to want to do is say, see, you know, I proved myself, you know, mm -hmm. even, even with all you try to hold me down, I still proved it. And whether that's true, anybody's actually trying to hold you down, but, but that's what that's felt like. But what it actually is, is people being just so amazed that you did this. So all of a sudden I went from a uh, person that had, that thought I had some authority in the marketplace that I, I thought that people, you know, knew and respected me. I did something as simple as putting out a book. And what I noticed was that people that didn't even read the book had not bought it, had not been seen it, didn't have it in their hand. were looking at me differently now 
there is a immediate boost of what that authority actually is. And that's done a lot of things that are uh, for me professionally, obviously, but in other ways, it's I kind of set up, set apart a legacy for me of saying, you know, my, my whole life mission is to leave the world better than I found it. That that's really what's important to me. And for me, this is a way to leave it better than I find it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. leave, it, leave it yeah. kind of weird uh, how that worked out, but this is something where I can say, um, you now have this, you know, go forth, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But for a lot of people, uh, what'd be interesting for them to know is that this has increased the, um, the amount of, uh, money I can charge as a consultant, for example, mm -hmm. as, as increased the, uh, opportunities that I have to, uh, participate in higher levels in the marketplace. Um, uh, the, the fact that I'm on a, a podcast today, you know, these are, these are things that m might that have happened before maybe, but they're more sh assured to be done now that I've released a book and you know, th that's a, that, that authority is there. And I think it's appropriate. I mean, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into this. There's a, um, a concept in the technology world called proof of work. And that uh, takes a lot of formats and a lot of different things. But when it comes to writing a book, you've done a lot, you know, you, you can't just put something out that would be just categorically false or bad information and not have that come back at you. And so there's, there's a built in kind of not only authority, but trust. And mm -hmm. so that's, I think what that, what that really does when, when it comes to writing a book, uh, especially a, you know, one that's about information, that's, that's really where that comes in. And so the challenge always is, and this is my next challenge, by the way, is writing a book in an area that I don't feel like I'm an authority. This is the oh. next big challenge for me. Okay. Uh, book yeah. number three? Yeah. Book number three will actually be a, <laughs> this is a, a big stretch. So it's, it's stick with me. It's going to be a fasting guide for Christian entrepreneurs. So big okay. stretch. Um, this is not what I was intending for my next book to be, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh -huh. it is one of those things where, you know, feeling that, that, that calling and guidance, but also of people telling me that it would be beneficial for them to teach them what I know or what I've learned and tell my stories, which that, again, you get right into that same thing you were talking about earlier about, you just assume people know, well, I did a fasting challenge with, with some, some, um, budding entrepreneurs a couple of weeks ago. And I found that a great many don't know how to fast or don't know their options or why. And as a Christian, that's something that, that you make an assumption. Well, that's not a good assumption to make. And so there's been a, a clear push that, that my next book project is going to be that, which is such a departure, but it's, it's one that I, that I feel is something that this is all prepared me for and will have the same kind of results of. Well, then my mind immediately goes to, let's see, how could DJ capitalize on that? Could he do an online course? Could he offer a membership program? Can he do videos? How do you take that book 
And then what doors open as a result of that one? Big ones, big ones and um, life mission ones, life transformative ones. Um, there hmm. is a, like I said, I'm, I'm shifting away from technology. I've, I've given what I know and, and put that out there. And so that, so that that can be there for people. Uh, but really my, my true passion, like I said, is to leave the world better than I found it and inspire others to do the same. And so there's various ways that that comes about, but, um, I'm finding that the skill sets that I've developed along the way here are, are things that can be helping others to kind of follow in a similar path or, you know, avoid the kind of pitfalls that I have. Like I said, it's a, you, you, you tend to create products that, that give people a shortcut and, and teach them the lessons you learned the hard way. Well, that's one I'm, I'm going to be doing for Christian entrepreneurs starting this year is keeping them from the, what I call the squirrelpreneur syndrome, where you just have everything you're chasing under the sun and you're always chasing a new thing without really completing the first thing. And, <laughs> and so the oh, lessons boy, I know that is something that I'm going to be bringing to a, a, uh, a mastermind and mem membership program that'll be launching uh, this spring. Oh, that's right. Well, we connected through the membership course that we were both involved in. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, of course, DJ, I'm thinking about also the knowledge that you learned growing up as a kid about what it's like to live without running water and electricity, Yeah, which you and I shared in a previous conversation, my sister's children, after her, their father took them into the wilds of Tennessee, yeah. they were raised in teepees without running water and without um, plumbing, without dental or medical care, without education. That's a whole group of people that I'm sure that you're aware of who call themselves living off the grid, who are looking at ways that they can raise their families in a similar way to the way that you were raised. Mm -hmm. And do so appropriately, I hope. <laughs> uh, well, uh, if we add in a layer of value, that will probably be a different discussion. Yeah, a whole, yeah, uh, that could be a whole fascinating other story that, I'm sure that I'll, um, once you catch the riding bug, it's really hard to stop. And so I'm sure that will come up at, at some point in my life too. Um, along with a, uh, a, you know, that TEDx style talks and things like that, that will, that will come about, I'm sure, um, all in their time. But, um, yeah, right now I think it's, it's great to have the skill sets. If you look at what I've done so far as practice, you know, look at it as, getting my MBA without actually paying a university from one. And so I'm getting paid to learn instead of paying to learn. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at it that way, then that's, that's why that, like you said, starting with a book is a great way to start because you're already starting from a position of authority um, or at least enough authority that, that the people are having the conversation now and you can bring them to you to take action and, and, do things in a significant way, not just putting it out there and hoping for the best. Yeah. And you have the system in place. You know how to produce books. You know mm -hmm. how to involve beta readers. You know how to include them in a launch team. Uh, I interviewed a guy named John Saunders who got 250 beta readers 
and he had a little twist in what you did. He had them buy the book at the beginning mm -hmm. of giving him feedback, and he used the 20 or $25 per person times 250 to pay for his publishing costs when he went to the publisher. He didn't independently publish it, but he had a publishing house that required financial investment. So his beta readers paid for him yep. to get the book published and then became enthusiastic promoters of the book when it came out earlier this year. Yeah, which is something that I anticipate with this as well. Um, the honest truth is there's certain markets that, that lend themselves well. Um, I, I should back up. The, the, the only reason I had published a book, a physical book in the first place, was I had surveyed my audience and asked them the question, okay, how, how do you learn new skill sets? How do you learn new things? And to my surprise, books was number one. Mm -hmm. So getting people involved in that process has, has been a, a, a matter of just finding them speaking their language. Uh, and that's something that, that I'm getting better at, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but that was a surprise. Now, take that to the, uh, the Christian entrepreneurial market. Well, we're avid readers. We just are. And so put a book out there that, that meets a need and a desire. Yeah. I'm, I'm anticipating a, a, a much larger launch team than, than I've had previously and probably some additional options like that. I'm actually um, still in the very conceptual phase of all this, but um, I probably will be putting this in front of, at least one or two publishers to see if that's something that, that they want to help me pursue or not. Just so I can live in, in my strengths, which is creation, not promotion. <laughs> yes. I learned in working with a, a bishop from the United Methodist Church when we were looking at the Christian publishing market that there are agents who specialize in promoting to Christian publishing companies and it is a very large market, a very large market of readers who are devoted and focus in on material from these publishing companies. So you very likely will find a person who's interested in taking on that project. And it crosses over into the health area, which is huge in the mm -hmm. publishing world as well, health yes, and is. weight loss. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that, uh, that this can be taken. Um, and obviously a lot of a whole new, uh, series of things that I need to be careful about too. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, legal things that I need to make sure I'm covered for and all that kind of stuff. So it's a whole new, a whole new bit of discovery for me. Uh, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it for sure. <laughs> so when you say legal things and I'm intrigued, are you talking about people who might follow your advice and get into physical trouble? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there's things like that that um, we're we're living in an increasingly litigious society, and uh, something we need to be aware of and covered for. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's something I'm actually restructuring a a, a company to do these ventures completely. Uh, so it's outside of anything else I have uh, for that reason. You know, there's, uh, okay. there's already risks in what I published before. You know, there's I'm 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 disseminating information that I didn't conceive you know it, it was not not my information that i'm giving out it's just what i've learned and i'm repeating and so i had to be very careful with some of that uh, but so this is 
a whole new journey, a whole different direction of things and whole different things to be, to be covered for. And so I need to discover what those are going to be, um, you know, mm. just to be, it's not a have to, it's just a should, you know, there's certain things that I, I really should make sure that I'm saying in the right way so that people know that ultimately they're in charge of their own destiny here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's an aspect that I haven't really thought about. I've written business books and books on writing and books for legal nurse consultants and attorneys. And I've never thought about the personal health area as needing those disclaimers. It's good that you're thinking about it now in advance. Yeah. But I don't want it to be something where that keeps me from acting. You know, it's, sure. it's that there's, there's a, a, a threshold point of saying, you know, if that feeds into my do it myself thing too much, then that becomes a problem, you know, and it's, it's very important for me as a person to hire, hire that in, you know, and get advice mm. from others, you know, whether it's in exchange for services or money or whatever it is, but it becomes important for me not to be held up by questions like that, that, I, you know, that need to be answered, but don't necessarily have to be answered by me. <laughs> True. And you don't want to say, well, I could get sued for the advice that I'm not really giving in this book. So therefore I won't write the book to begin with. Right. Well, it, you, yes, exactly. You, you, you tend to, to look at society with, with not very rosy colored glasses at that point. But there's somebody out there that needs, I, I, I know there's somebody out there that needs what I have to, to say. If I can help one person be more successful, or in my case, if I can help one person to become more connected with their purpose and who they're created to be and who God wants them to be, I think that's worth all of it mm -hmm. in and of itself, mm -hmm. really. You're also potentially getting into a, uh, uh, a population that's more vulnerable and you need to, to respect that that's the, the thing you're doing too. And, and, and be, be caring for that audience wherever they are. And it, that, that becomes that kind of, yeah, there's so many things that, that really are a lot better off if you're not doing it just by yourself. Yeah. So if there's one piece of advice we could probably give but this whole episode is don't try and do it alone, even if you can. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that self-sufficiency voice coming out, DJ. I hear it. Yeah. Can you tell it's been a, a source of wounding in my past? <laughs> Can you tell that's had several decades of holding me back? Cause it has. <laughs> and your thoughts about the disclaimer also makes me remember that when a publisher approached me and asked me to be the editor for a book on nursing malpractice. And I was an expert witness. I mm. talked to one of my clients and said, look, if I write a book about nursing malpractice and I'm testifying, there could be something in that book that could be used against me. Is this a big risk for me to write this book? And he said, Pat, people need the information in that mm. book. And think about the people that you can help with that book. So I think you should go ahead. And I did. That book went into four editions. I testified for 25 years. There were exactly two times that I walked into a courtroom and I saw my book sitting on the opposing attorney's table. Mm -hmm. One of them, it just sat there to intimidate me. 
the other trial, the attorney did cross-examine me. Mm-hmm. That was out of hundreds of trials. And that was my big fear. And it happened one single time. So, yes, we do have to be careful with our fears, in my opinion, but we, we should be realistic and think about the upside of sharing the knowledge that you've gotten. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I have a similar story of, of, of my, in this case, it was a website being um, attempted to be used against me as an expert witness because they're just trying to look for anything to decredit. Um, so that can be a very intimidating process. Mm-hmm. So if anybody out there is interested in pursuing, you know, being an expert witness, um, don't, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it was actually one of those unfortunate things where I, I realized that, wow, there, there really are realities out there where you think you're making a lot of sense and you think you're connecting with people where they are, but your words can be used and twisted with, no, they can. with the right person at the helm. And so making sure you're, you know, well protected is smart, but the reality is if you're living within a mission, then my belief is that you know, there, there's nothing that could really be done to you. That's enough to stop you. Mm-hmm. And that's, they can, they can put people in jail. They can take away everything they have. But one thing they cannot take away from them is their will. That, that cannot be taken away. And so your knowledge, your will, your um, desire to help others cannot be taken from you. And so if you, you approach it from that standpoint, then you're already in a position of strength. And it's just a matter of just pushing that forward to the, to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, DJ, good. how can our listeners find out more about you, your services, your books, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? Absolutely. Um, my website is djeshelman.com. Uh, that's D-J-E-S-H-E-L-M-A-N.com. That's too hard to remember. Another pointer site for that is leave-it-better.com. My podcast is Better Than You Found It, um, which also is really long, so I shortened that to btyfi.net. <laughs> so, yeah, but there, I'm, I'm very reachable uh, out there in the world. So uh, the, I think I have something like 15 different websites. And so, but those are the ones that are going to be the most important. All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And sharing and, and your stories. I think our listeners have enjoyed those. And for you who's been with us for this show, thank you for being part of Writing to Get Business. Please tell other people in your world about our podcast that we focus on interviewing authors, their journeys, how they came up with their ideas, how they wrote their books, and how they released their books. And watch out for DJ Eshelman because you're going to be seeing his name on more books in the future. (laughs) Thanks so much. You're certainly welcome. (laughs) hi this is pat iyer with writing to get business this is dave dragon who is the author of a book called i solve mysteries a different kind of mystery than you might think of it's not a murder mystery dave what were some of the key points that we covered in the podcast just now well, we went over the, the different roles that um, I play on a project as a consultant in solving mysteries. There's eight different roles. You'd be kind of surprised to realize that. 
Um, we went over some of the methodologies that I use to solve mysteries. Um, and I shared some stories of what's happened on projects. So you can get a feel for you know, the, the dynamics and the dimensions of what happens on these projects. So I think we did a pretty good job covering that. And then we, uh, we talked a little bit about why I wrote the book and the, uh, the publishing process that I used to, uh, to bring it to life, uh, which was a great experience. And uh, ultimately we, we had it published at the end of 2019, um, both in print and in digital version. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dave. This has been Pat Iyer and Dave Dragon talking about his book, I Solve Mysteries, as his role is defined as a consultant, helping large companies with their inefficiencies, their challenges, their delivery system problems, and other types of issues that hold them back. Be sure to listen to Dave Dragon and his podcast to get a sense of his methodology and how he structured his book. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S. Com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.